Hello and welcome back to another Mean Green podcast. We're already on episode 7 and it is already November, which, holy moly man, time flies. I'm Reed Smith as always. Milo, how are you today, my friend? On the 1st of November, I am doing great. And it's always nice to look outside your windows, see the leaves falling off the trees, oh, yeah. and getting some oh, nice, sure. cool autumn breeze. I love it. Nothing yeah. like November. There is really nothing like November, and it's the precursor to to Christmas, really. The Christmas only a month away. I can't believe it. <laughs> Get it? Can you believe it, guys? Just a month away. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, man, time flies. Yesterday was Halloween. I did nothing because I'm a 21-year-old man uh, and my girlfriend lives in Boston. So I feel like if you're a dude, you really only do Halloween stuff if your girlfriend wants you to. And we didn't have anything planned, obviously. So I don't know. Did you you do anything? Uh, I mean, we went to Target at about uh, oh. eight. We no, 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 hold on, hold on. We went to Target at about eight o'clock at night, looking for Halloween candy, and um, all they had left were the Oscar Mayer weenie gummies. Um, they were not good. I mean, we didn't even try them. Of course, we didn't even get them. But that was literally like the only bagged candy left. Everything else depleted, gone. And I really wanted candy corn, so we were looking, and the only candy corn they had was a bag of like Halloween style trail mix that had candy corn in it. And I got it because I was desperate for the candy corn and the candy corn was not good. So (laughs) do not buy the target Halloween mix candy corn trail mix. (laughs) Bro was desperate for the candy corn. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it was not worth it, but anyways, that was my Halloween. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, my Halloween was spent, um, I believe the only thing I did was just work, and then I did some homework, and then I ended up doing stuff with you and our friend John uh, that night. So, kind of uneventful for both of us, I'd say. Um, All right, I usually say let's get into the gridiron here, but we're not getting into the gridiron just yet. Um, I would like to talk about a tweet that uh, milo tweeted the other day it was regarding the eagle tail now i have been very vocal on twitter about the eagle tail at unt and if you don't know what i'm talking about i mean you you got the listeners are probably mostly unt fans so you definitely do but if you're not a unt fan unt's side of the stadium has like a giant eagle tail which is two giant triangles in the stands It, it was a creative idea in in like theory but in in practice it's kind of stupid a little bit it looks cool but they just don't get many people that want to sit in the eagle tail and and i don't like heights but i've sat at the very top of that eagle tail just to see what it was like not good it's it's a very far view of the field nobody would want to buy a ticket there um but I have suggested on Twitter multiple times to tarp the tail. Hashtag tarp the tail. And Milo this weekend uh, during the homecoming game posted a photo of the eagle tail, which was a single person just chilling at the very top and pretty much desolation around him. Nobody else there to join him where he was sitting. And, and you know what they say. 
it what? gets lonely at the top. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the mean green don't have to worry about that this season. <laughs> but oh, but man. I think they should tarp the tail. Nobody sits there, man. And I'm glad us hosts are in agreement here. I mean, I just want to get your thoughts on that. You posted it. And what was your yeah. caption? Like, Reed Smith. Uh, something. Yeah, like I was like, Reed Smith's argument to tarp the tail and prime effect. So um, my, my take on this, um, whenever I see a stadium on a broadcast and they have a section tarped off, it's usually never a good look because it kind of just screams, hey, we can't fill out the section of the stadium. Yeah. So it's kind of like putting a Band-Aid on a really bad cut because like everybody's now going to see the Band-Aid. You know, if you, if you got like a really bad cut on your face and you just slap a Band-Aid right underneath your eye, it's going to draw attention to it. Everyone's going to see it. Uh, so the same thing goes for tarping off a section that um, most people do not sit in. Um, I kind of have a mixed view on it because on one end, I get where you're coming from. It looks just as bad, if not worse, to have a full empty section. Um, but from my perspective, it also is not a good look to tarp anything off really. Cause it shows that, um, you know, you can't fill out this section of the stadium regardless of whether it's just one game or not. It means that, you know, consistently you have failed to fill out the section. So I don't know, it's kind of a mixed bag for me, but I would probably lean more towards tarping it off. Cause I think the tail in its own unique design, like you said earlier, it's a pretty unique and, and creative design. I think it would actually look pretty good tarped off. Would you agree? Yeah, I, I think so. Imagine just a big green tarp that says debt queue on it. I mean, that would look decent. <laughs> yeah, you still get so, the weird yeah. vertices. Yeah, so I, I I, think it would be, it'd probably be a good idea. It's probably for the best. Yeah. Um, but I also think the tail in general is a prime example of what happens when you try and really be creative and make a section make one section really big in comparison to the rest. I've always personally been a huge advocate for um, instead of leaving the tail as the largest section of the stadium, why not fill out the left and the right sides of the tail to make yeah. it kind of even up. So if, so it would almost look like a, a full horseshoe um, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah, uh, so sure. I've always been a fan of, of that, but you know, now we're talking stadium designs. And it's just, yeah, you, know, you would you wouldn't be able to fill it out regardless. True. And oh. and, and hey man, <laughs> Halloween may have came early. There may have been more people than we saw because a lot of them were maybe dressed as bleachers. So <laughs> I mean, we also have to put that into consideration. Oh my god. Yeah. But let's get into the gridiron. There you there go. We go. Thank you. Uh, I want to talk about Memphis for a little bit. Uh, I mean, that was a heartbreaker. I would say that was the biggest heartbreaker of the season so far uh, for UNT fans, especially, and for the Mean Green in general. I mean, down 21 points at the half, come all the way back, and then fall short once again. Uh, just not yeah, great, Milo. I think if there's a way to script up a classic University of North Texas finish, that's probably the best way you could put it. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know, dude. I don't know, because I, I sat here and I watched the game against Tulane and it, it was just deja vu all over again. Um, 
you come out flat-footed in the first half. I think we have to address that. This team is not getting off on the right start. And it's clearly, um, they're suffering from it. They're suffering from it. They play the whole game trying to catch up. They play catch up the whole game. And um, when you're a team that can't really finish, like the mean green, um, you're never really going to come away with the win in a game that you start off that bad. For sure. And we all know how important finishing is. Um, You know, it like you said, it's just tough to watch a team dominate two second halves two weeks in a row. I mean, dominate it. It was not just like, oh, you know, they had an admirable comeback and and they ended up falling short. It was like they were down 31-10. They scored 32 points in the second yeah. half. You know, a 21 in the fourth quarter. And to see it fall short once again, because a player in Tariq Luckett, who has not seen the field very much, and a cover one coverage, mind you, uh, got burnt by by Memphis's uh, best guy and uh, Joe Skates. So it's just kind of one of those things where it's like, if this team could put everything together for four quarters instead of just the last two, I mean, we're looking at seven and one here, Milo. Yeah, because, I think if because, they're a, if they're a full four quarter team, they're definitely. I mean, they're probably top of the conference. Well, for sure. Yeah. yeah. If they played every first half like they have the second half, they beat the hell out of FIU. They closely beat Tulane. They beat the crap out of Memphis. I mean, if we're looking at the last two games, Tulane and Memphis, North Texas outscored their opponents 60 to 28 in the second half 60 to 28 yeah that's crazy and to not come away not to not come away with the win either um i mean it does it say very much about this team's ability to get the job done does it say very much about their their ability to be clutch in the final minute well we we had been saying that the only thing chandler rogers excuse me the only thing chandler rogers lacked this season was the clutch gene, you know? Yeah. Uh, incomplete pass into the game against Navy, incomplete pass into the game against Tulane. We we had said that he was rushing, that he wasn't, you know, taking time to make his reads. Throw all of that out the window against Memphis. You know, on that final drive, he was making his reads. He made a very athletic and outstanding play for the go-ahead touchdown. You know, he exited the pocket, ran to his right and then found your guy Jamori Macklin in the back of the end zone for his second touchdown of the day. And I mean, you can't ask for much more from your offense, but once again, it's that defense, man. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think if you're looking at a, in the final minute of, of the game, you got to send out that, that mean green defense. Yeah. You're kind of looking pretty grim at your chances of coming away with a win. Especially uh, after they had been good. Yeah, and especially after they had that outstanding second half. I mean, Phil Hill, that defense in general, was just outstanding in the second half. They were stopping the run. I I don't even think that Memphis, I think they had like 77 rushing yards in the second half. 
Like, yeah, polar opposite from the first half. The first yeah. half, that was atrocious, oh dude. Um, Deshaun Watson just <laughs> destroyed them. In case the guy's name, Watson, number four. I don't know his first name, but number Did four. Did you Deshaun Watson? Yeah, I, I mean, come on. <laughs> he's, he's got the Deshaun Watson look and everything um, on his jersey. Uh, yeah. But so, I mean, and he torched him. He had, didn't he have like three 70-yard rushes? He like, had two 64-yard rushes in a row. So two in a row. Yeah. And those were in the first two drives of the game. So in two in Memphis drives, he had over 120 yards. Yeah. And then in the second half, it's like Jekyll and Hyde out here. He was invisible because the defense shut him down. Yeah. He was so, Blake Watson yeah. was gone. And do you remember in the episode before that game, I was like, they got to watch Blake Watson. He's the second best rusher. ODU transfer. He's been great this season. I mean, he looked great in the first half. That kid, uh, number 22, that's, I think his name was Sutton Smith. He looked really mm-hmm. good. Brandon Thomas, really solid. I mean, they were running all over him. And then in the second half, the defense just turns into, you know, the 85 Bears for some reason. <laughs> and, and, and I mean, it, it's oh, it's painful for, I imagine, for the offense, you know. And I, I know they wouldn't throw anybody under the bus. But to come all the way back, you know, Chandler Rogers had that fumble within his own 20. He thought it was over then. They still came back and scored two touchdowns to one, get within a possession, and two, take the lead. You've done everything you could. I mean, you scored a touchdown to take the lead with 50 seconds left. And then the defense, who had been stellar. Defense just lays a goose egg, dude. In in their final possession of the game, after a second half that made them look fantastic, the fifth best passing defense in the American Athletic Conference, had a kid in Tariq Luckett, and I don't want to call him out, but, and I don't think it's really his fault. I think it's the coverage's fault. Cover one on third and long with the game on the line, 14 seconds left. Are you kidding? Like, what? Why aren't, why aren't they playing zone right there? One. Why is Tariq Luckett in the game? Two. And, uh, I don't know, man. It's just we didn't get very many answers at the press conference. And so there's still just a lot to to think about with that play. You know, it doesn't seem like it should have happened in that way, especially to get their guy, Joe Skates, who has been stellar all season, to have him just chilling with single coverage in the middle of the end zone. Yeah, I think when I watched it, I – let out an audible laugh because you had one job. It's your last, pretty much your last play of the game. That was going to be second stop, to last play. Yeah. 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 You stop them. It's essentially over. And, um, you know, you don't, you don't, and uh, you get burned in the worst way possible. I mean, credit uh, where so, credit's due to Seth yeah. Hennigan though. I mean, before we keep talking about this credit where credit's due to Seth Hennigan, he made a great play, moved up in the pocket, laid a dime into his guy's arms. Yeah. Got that was his one touchdown of the game. So, <laughs> I mean, hell of yeah, a time but for that I, to come. I, I think, and I've seen a lot of Memphis fans talking on Twitter this week. Um, you did not deserve to win this game. Memphis did not deserve to win the game. I mean, both teams did not play a full four-quarter game. Um, you know, Memphis played the first half. UNC played the second half. But, I mean, still, Memphis, they choked. What was it, a, a 33-10 lead? I don't yeah. know what you said earlier, but uh, I mean, that's, yeah, 
you choke a lead like that, you don't deserve to win the game. And no, I think if you're a Memphis fan, all four Memphis fans sitting in the stands at Datku must have been like, oh, my God, how are we going to win this game? Because, yeah. like, seriously, if I was a Memphis fan, I would be like, huh, God must have answered my prayers because somehow we're coming away. We're walking away with a win. Yeah, somehow. I agree with you. Have some damn shame, man. I mean, they yeah. they walked – don't celebrate the win. You walked out of there. And I think it says more about UNT than it does about Memphis, that game. You know, we're at the beginning – we we talked about this a couple of times, but at the beginning of the season, after three games, I think our first pod was after FIU. And we were going, man, this team might go three and nine. This time, team might go four and eight, you know. But yeah. if they beat UTSA this weekend, I can feasibly see them making a bowl game. It will be a lot tougher if they don't beat SMU, or they won't beat SMU. But if they don't beat UTSA, but, I mean, it's feasible at this point. And I don't think that that's anything that I thought I would be telling you four weeks ago. Yeah, I I don't think so either. Um, But I think we've gotten a lot of our questions answered. The one question that remains is, um, of course, this Mean Green defense. And now it's it's coming back to haunt the team because the offense is doing everything they can. This is the best offense in the American. And the defense is just – it's their Achilles heel, dude. I mean, yeah, it is. I mean, there's no other way to put it because, you know, like I said, you'd never hear it from the team saying, let's throw this unit under the bus because that's just not how teamwork works. But it's true. The defense is just a huge liability at this point. And the fact that they can play the half that they did and then still give up the game winning touchdown at the end. Yeah. You know, that's just, that's just disheart. I I know that's disheartening is, is an offensive player, whether they want to admit it or not, that's disheartening. So I don't know, man, it is what it is. If they can figure it out against UTSA, which is possible because it's a rivalry game, then I think that they may come away with a win and let's get into that. It is UTSA week, ladies and gentlemen, rivalry week. It's the 210 <laughs> triangle of toughness versus Gomin Green. Oh man. We've been waiting for this one. We have. Yeah, we I, talk I about we UTSA every have. week. Yeah. So. yeah. Essentially, uh, I find a way to work it in, don't I? All right. Yeah. Yeah. All right, give me your thoughts, my friend. Um I got a lot of thoughts. Uh as far as the rivalry in general or just the game? Just whatever you want to think about this game coming up. Okay. Um, the game in general, I have seen a lot of, there's a lot of, a lot of trash talk, of course, on, on social media. Um, the two teams, I feel like UNT, I've been, I don't know. I know UNT has it in their bag. They can beat UTSA, of course. Oh, for they sure. They should beat them. They should beat them. Should um, is you, a big word. You just, you, okay, no, but you just hung out with Tulane. You hung out with Memphis too, and now if they get destroyed by UTSA, it's just going to be. I think the season goes downhill from there, and all the momentum just kind of dwindles down. I really feel that the momentum of this Mean Green team is with the offense right now, and the offense is carrying them essentially. Because remember, without this offense, this team gets destroyed by Tulane and Memphis. So, I think. You know, I think the defense is, is again, going to play a, a huge role in this game. Um, 
if this UNT defense gets off to a really slow start um, and this game goes south again, I'm pretty confident that UNT is going to come back. Am I confident that they're going to win, though? Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. So, <laughs> I, I mean, I really don't know. I don't know what well, to expect. Well, I think with UTSA, you always got to think that it's going to be a close game. I don't think that there's any world where this is like a blowout either way. Yeah. I know the last time wow. UTSA came here was 2021. I reported that game. Uh, it was a 45-28, not blowout, but the score was much closer than it reflected a win for UNT and, you know, ended UTSA's perfect season, gave UNT bowl eligibility. And, you know, there's a lot of parallels to draw from that 2021 game to this game because, you know, while it's not the final game of the season and UNT doesn't necessarily have to win this game to get bowl eligibility, it certainly feels that way. You know, if they don't win this game, kiss a bowl goodbye, in my opinion. If they do, I then... Think so, yeah. Yeah, and if they do, then they're probably going bowling, considering their last two games of the season. But I just I just think there's something different about UTSA coming to DATQ. They, something insane always happens. Whether... Yeah. Yeah, whether it's you know, UT UNT beating a ranked UTSA, the drive, the one win in a one and eleven season, I mean something always happens for UNT when UTSA comes to to DATQ, and I don't think under a new coach and and Eric Morris, I don't think that will change. Something weird is going to happen. We just don't know what it is yet. Yeah, I don't. I don't think anything's going to change either. Uh, I. I think, I think this team is full of surprises. They've surprised us already this season oh, by sure. um, by putting themselves in a in a situation to potentially land a bowl game. Um, you know, we we kind of underrated them all year, so they can they can turn around and really surprise us. But like I said, I kind of think that this is this is it for UNT. I think yeah. this is a huge game where if you don't win this game the rest of your season looks pretty bleak. If yeah. you win this game, you got a lot of optimism going forward. And let me uh, let me say this. I want the whole of 2-1-0 to hear this. I hope all of San Antonio is listening to me here say this. Chandler Rogers is a much better quarterback than your old man. Yeah, yeah, he's more, he's more talented. I haven't watched any film on uh, Frank Harris, but I did watch him in high school because he went to my high school – uh, shout out Samuel Clemens High School. Frank I Harris went way... to your high school. Yeah, yeah, he did. Um, <laughs> I, hope I, ever said this. I have. I've mentioned that before. Ne- not on the, not to me. Not, not on the podcast, but I've mentioned it before. You've never mentioned uh, it to me ever. Yeah, Frank Harris went to Samuel Clemens High School in Shirts, Texas. <laughs> no um, way. And so <laughs> you're looking it up right now. Look it up. Yes, I... um, but. Yeah, so I have not watched film on him, but I did watch him in high school, and I can say that Chandler Rogers is a much more talented quarterback than fifth-year Frank Harris. Um, I am not glazing. I am just simply stating the obvious. Chandler Rogers is phenomenal in the pocket, um, can throw deep to his receivers like Jamori Macklin, and he honestly – I think you put Rogers. You got to put Rogers in the conversation for um, American MVP. I, I think you should. I know this Minion team is not very good, but 
I think in comparison to Frank Harris, Rodgers is a better MVP candidate. Four-year starter at, at Shirts, Texas, San Clemente High School. San no. Clemente? Samuel Clemente. Samuel Clemente. Whoops. How? When? How did this? I'm so confused that you've never told me this before. You I've like, said it. I, I said you've it never like said once. that to me ever. No. I said it like once, dude. I promise you. So you I were said... in high school when Frank Harris was in high school? Yeah, that's how old he is. Jeez. So yeah, you <laughs> I saw gra- him. I graduated college before him. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, what? He's like, what? You're 22. So he's like, what? 24? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Holy mo- Wow. I mean... UT, UNT fans, attack this man. He When Frank Harris was on touchdowns in high school, Milo was playing the fight song. <laughs> yeah, that's actually, that's actually accurate because I was I part of the, the mighty Buffalo marching band. Yeah. Holy moly. Yeah. So, you, so... I remember, dude, we uh, – okay, just one more thing. I, in high school, we were, like, all over the place for Frank Harris. We loved him. He led us to like the furthest we had been in the high school, in, in the playoffs in years. Um, we took on our rival, Steel High School. I don't know if you've ever heard of Steel. They, Isn't it, that in Cibolo? It's in Cibolo, yeah. Cibolo. Uh, and um, it was a big rivalry, but it, it's kind of like an SMU versus uh, UNT rivalry. <laughs> in a sense, where Steel every year would destroy us. Um, except for we beat them in the regular season, I think that year with Frank Harris. And then he took us all the way deep in the playoffs. The furthest we got, I remember it was Christmas break. I think it was like a week or two before Christmas. And we were playing at the Alamo Dome in the playoffs. So it was pretty cool. Um, but Frank Harris, he's pretty talented. But uh, yeah, so there's there's a little flashback for you. Um, <laughs> but that's interesting. Had no idea you had that personal connection to uh... – to Frank Harris, I man, everything went through San Clemens, I guess. Samuel Clemens, like okay, Mark whatever. Twain, his pen name oh. or his actual name, Samuel Clemens. Okay, well, I went to Keller Timber Creek, and the most successful player to ever come out of there was Eric Ezukanma. He plays for the Miami Dolphins, was a standout at Texas Tech. Um, then there was also this kid named. Uh, Blake Irving, and he walked on to OU. I don't know whatever happened to him, but he was running back. Uh, but no, apparently just, if you want top talent in football, you know, go to Milo's alma mater and and start <laughs> recruiting, man. Recruit Sam, Samuel Clemens. Yeah, yeah, recruit Samuel Clemens, yeah. I guess. But I, I want to finish out our UTSA conversation with uh, a man who sparks the fear and quarterbacks and that is Jalen Smith uh, or Trey Moore rather sorry uh Trey Moore leads the American Athletic Conference with get this Milo 12 sacks really 12 oh yeah big sack guy be running for his life yeah and now let's just transition this to who's your position or player to watch offensive line for yeah. me yeah, because I, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> you can't let Trey Moore kill your quarterback. Yeah. Uh, you got to protect, you got to protect your MVP right there in Rogers. For um, real. And I, I completely yeah. agree with you. I kind of ignored it after the Frank Harris talk, but I, I completely agree with you that the offensive MVP for 
the American should be Chandler Rogers. I mean, it will, we all know it will probably end up being Michael Pratt just because he plays for Tulane, but it should be Chandler Rogers because he, I mean. Yeah. If this UNT team puts up that six and two, seven and two season, like we kind of mentioned earlier, um, you're looking at the MVP candidate right there. Oh, for sure. And just, I mean, I know the wins don't reflect it yet, but the immense difference that UNT played with after Chandler Rogers was was put in as starter, I mean, the the difference is just, it's just, it is. And I know we talk about this a lot. And listen, Stone Earl's a nice guy. He was a decent quarterback. How do you not take the guy that had 18 career FBS starts over Stone Earl. How? I don't know. I don't know. I, I know there were some, there were some rumors, um, you know, maybe about his, his, um, his character or, um, you know, that he didn't do as well in practice and training camp. But like, again, that's not the real deal. That's not actual. No. I mean, that's not what has that's been not reflected. The game. Right. Yeah. No. That's just practice. So what, what happens in practice doesn't always translate into actual games. And I think in Rogers case, it's probably for the best if he didn't put up as good of a, a training camp as Stone Earl. For sure. And for the record, he has been a great leader for UNT this yeah. season. You've heard oh, it yeah. from all the players. You've heard it from Morris. I mean, he's been fantastic leader, really, really smart guy from what I've talked to him. I mean, I can't say enough about Chandler Rogers. The guy is just, he's him. I'll, I'll yeah. say it right now. He's him. Uh, yeah. You know, when you throw 19 touchdowns and one interception all season, and the one interception was a fluky one in week one, when you he was subbed in for like the last 18 minutes, you know, I don't even count that interception. And, you know, against Memphis, a decent defense, 411 yards, five touchdowns. He's putting in these performances every week. It's not new, you know. Yeah. He, he's just – He's just him. He's Himmler Rogers. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's got one more year, right? Yep. One more. Yeah. We'll see if he spends it at UNT. Yeah. I, I That kind of leads me into what I was going to say. Um, you know, I don't mean to play, play devil's advocate here, but I would like him to see – I would like to see him somewhere better, if that makes sense. Um, just because I know Mean Green fans would kill to have him for another year – if he knows what's best for him, he's got to be looking. I, at wait, wait, wait! I don't, I don't think, I don't think he can. Actually, now that I think of it, I don't think he can. He's already transferred twice. There's a two-time transfer rule. Oh, you know what? Where was the first one? Uh, from Blinn College to ULM. Oh. Oh, and he transferred from USM to Blinn. Well, tough blow. I guess he's got to tough it out with the Mean Green. But yeah, I mean, I don't, but, I don't know. In his but, case, he might enjoy it. Yeah, for sure. But no, here, there is somebody you do need to worry about. Guess who on the offense has one more transfer? It's Macklin, right? It's Macklin. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, so you don't want to lose your top target there. Um, Yeah. And if they don't have a good enough chemistry already, probably need to work on developing that chemistry, even, you know, if it means off the field as well, develop that bond. That way you keep your best, your best wide receiver there for next year, because you're going to need him. Let's be honest here, Milo. The bond of the team is not what's going to matter with keeping Macklin. We both know what it is. Yeah. Here yeah. comes the money. Yeah. I mean, that's just it's, college it's, football yeah. these days. 
Yeah, you know, it's, I don't, I don't, big thing. I don't feel bad saying that, or like it's not incorrect. But if you want to keep your top players, you got to pay up nowadays. The money, and, the media attention. Um, yeah, you know, if if you look, the sad truth is, if you want a professional career going forward, um, it's not going to happen staying with UNT. I mean, it not yet. It could, but not yet. Not yet is the perfect way to describe it because, um, you know, we've seen programs, G5 programs pump out talent and be successful at doing that. UNT has not proven themselves yet in that asset. Yeah. Um, so not yet. And Macklin just seems like a guy, and this is nothing against his character or anything. It's smart business. If I was a player, I'd do the same thing. He seems like a, the guy that is so talented that he could really contribute to a, another another football team. And he's got two years of eligibility left. So, you know, he yeah. might want to spend that somewhere where the grass may be a little greener. I mean, his last name already gives him some rep. Now it's time to go get that rep at a better uh, – better. I don't want to say better program, but a program that will – A more prestigious in, program. Yeah, a program yeah. that will better prepare him for the NFL. and. Who knows if that will happen? Maybe, like what you said, the the bond and the chemistry will keep him in Denton. But yeah, if, if you asked me after the season who I think would be the most likely to transfer to a P5, Jamori Macklin, no doubt. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure they're going to lose others. But, you know, I, I, I think I think Macklin's the guy to watch in the <coughs> transfer portal. But, um, I mean, we're we're obviously talking way ahead. Yeah, we are. We'll we'll see what happens this off season, and then in one of our off season episodes, we will uh, we will say yes, we were right, or well, it won't be yes, we were right. We'll be like, oh, we were right, but because I love watching the kid, you know. But I would like to get to sport score eh, score predictions. There we go. And Milo, <clears throat> let me give you the line this week. All right, <laughs> not that it this matters. Is, uh, this is from Vegas. Vegas, baby, Vegas. Vegas. <laughs> Vegas, baby, Vegas. Oh, the line is UTSA by seven and a half. The over under is 71. Holy moly. Good lord. All right. The Vegas hasn't been very nice to us this year. So I'll give mine first. I'll go 42-31 UNT. Mm. UNT. I'm going UNT. UNT. You know, yeah, yeah, that's fair. I don't know. I could swing either way, UTSA or uh, UNT. Um, but you know what? For the hell of it, I think UNT should beat UTSA. Man, so I'll go. Um, I'll go thirty. 30 <coughs> um, let's say thirty-two twenty. Five UNT. That's a little closer. UNT. Yeah, yeah, I mean that'd be a good game, but yeah, big news for uh, UNT is Fabetti Wewu should be all right. The the Fabetti Fabetti Wewu. That's his name. Okay. Did right. I say it a little so, quick? Did I say it a little too quick for you? Sorry. How do you spell that again? Uh, N-W-A-I-W-U. Wee-woo. The N is silent. 
Dude, you lost me, but keep going. No, it's pronounced. It's pronounced like, well, it's spelled like no I woo, but it's pronounced wee woo. I'm not even gonna bother looking it up. <laughs> you just you keep going. Yeah, big, I'll take your word for it. Yeah, Big Fabechi is back. He'll be playing uh, right guard again for the UNT Mean Green Eagles of Denton, Texas. Um, that's big for them. Jalen Smith, or not? I keep saying Jalen Smith because I'm thinking about the 49ers defense right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh Trey, Trey Trey Moore will be uh really really integral for UTSA on Saturday and they'll need a man to block him and having Fabecci back will be big for that UNT line that has you know not been the best at protecting Rogers this year he's a couple of times had to run for his damn life here a few times lately yeah but I don't know, man. It's going to be a good one. I uh, always love watching the the uh, discourse on, on Twitter. The battle of the birds. The battle of the birds. You know, I, love- I, I've seen I've seen UNT doing a good job at promoting this battle of the birds. Uh, I think it's a fundraising campaign that they're doing. I don't know if you have you seen the emails from the UNT yeah yeah, I, yeah I saw the Twitter yeah. and stuff. Yeah, I I mean. I guess it's the Battle of the Birds. I don't Dude, know. Dude, I'm, I'm still at the university. I'm not going to pay them damn money. You kidding me? Yeah, they come knocking plus... on your door two weeks after. <laughs> actually, actually, before you even walk the stage, they got an, uh, they give you an alumni thing. Actually, it's in your – yeah, when you walk the stage, they give you a little fake um, diploma holder. And in there is not your diploma – but instead, an ad to join the Alumni Association to give the university more money. Oh you didn't God. even get a chance to cherish your big day. You didn't even get a chance to enjoy crossing the stage. Because guess what? Time to pay up. Time to give back more money to Neil. Yep, that's the most UNT thing I've ever heard in my life. It but happens still, at every school. It's I'm still going school. to the school, so <laughs> no, they will not be getting any money from me. And plus, yeah. if I gave money to the university, that is for sure unethical. So I would never do that. I don't know, man. Uh, hopefully some... <laughs> this, is got, this may be a little bit low, man. <laughs> you think Sosa shows up? Oh! We uh yeah we need to talk about that a little bit. That's what I'm saying. Because yeah. <laughs> because that was what last week we didn't cover it on the podcast last week, but this week is UTSA week. Look, the university they they issued a um a, was it a survey? I don't know what would what, what no you call it, it, but... so it was a vote for a referendum a yeah, that yeah. would that would give more money to all of the athletic programs, including the university of texas at san antonio marching band Uh, i think they're called the spirit of san antonio and man they got the shape of italy dude they got the boot because my goodness the school did not support giving them additional funding whatsoever um as a former college marching band member i was part of the university of north texas green brigade um i really enjoyed my time in green brigade and i would hell yes i would i would support funding for, for the Green Brigade, and I also would support funding for the University Athletic Department in general. I think it was a very cheap 
price increase. Wasn't it like by like funding by like twenty to thirty dollars per student? I don't know yeah. what it was. So pretty much, you know how at UNT we have that like, oh, the you pay this fund to get this different kind of just like the little tiny yeah. funds that they put yeah, inside the of your scholarship fund yeah. or something yeah, yeah. No, well yeah no pretty much just like the, the same yeah no uh the scholarship fund is different that's oh. that's how they pander their alumni but um <laughs> it, it's just like the little funds that they add to that are provided in, in your in your uh payment in your so, tuition and everything yeah, yeah and so, yeah so like for instance we have the rec center whatever tuition thingy and because yeah yeah, it's like 25 bucks then you can go to the rec center whenever you want things like that yeah so um utsa took a big l and i think if you're that school there's a lot of reasons why you didn't get that passed um the first reason is that you're a satellite school you're a commuter school the majority of your students chose to go to UTSA because, well, they didn't get into their top school. They didn't get into the University of Texas, so they had to settle for the University of Texas at San Antonio. That's number one. Number two, you're a commuter school. People do not live on campus at UTSA. Um, The vast majority of people commute. It is not a school that you live on campus there. Uh, I know UNT is the same way, but not to the extent that UTSA is. UTSA has a lot less students than UNT, um, and and they're a more genuine commuter school than UNT is. Uh, so, those are the two main reasons as to why your your uh, referendum or wh- whatever it's called uh, didn't pass. Um, another thing, I- I'm gonna let you talk in a minute, Reed. But look, if you're a fan, or if you're just in general, if you go to the school, there's probably not a lot of school spirit around it because of the mm-hmm. two reasons that I said. But your program, your athletic program, I think it's really only football that has seen success because uh, I consistently see Willie Moriarty, huge UNT super fan, is just dogging on UTSA saying, oh, you guys are a one-sport school, in which, I don't know, maybe they are. But football has seen a tremendous amount of success in the past, I don't know, three, four years. Um, there's no reason not to fund them, not to say, Hey, let's give them more money. Let's, let's boost the brand. Um, and you know, you don't get that. You don't pass that vote. Uh, I mean, that's, that's a pretty tough blow to a school. That's definitely trying to put in the effort to improve their athletics. Huh? No guests today, but you are listening to another Mean Green podcast. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, you, you made a good point. The other teams haven't been as successful. Do you know why the other teams, other than football, haven't been as successful? I can answer that for you because they've only really funded football. So yeah. this refer- this referendum not not only would have helped football some more, but would have given more funding to the other athletic programs at the at the sport. You know, I don't know if you've seen some of their other uh their other athletic venues. I mean, look at Yeah, they play in a gym for basketball. Yeah, let's have a <laughs> let's have a historic convo about how ass that arena is because it it's bad. 
it looks like a giant warehouse that they just put stands in for the hell of it. Um, then the yeah. softball field is their their wall, you know, their outfield wall. It's like a fence with a it, no. it's a fence with a tarp on it, and you know their soccer field is you know a field in the middle of nowhere, and pretty much just okay, it, yeah. It, it goes without saying. Like I don't have to keep going down the list. Pretty bad. But what shocked me about this situation <laughs> is how quick everybody was like, "Oh, for athletics, just cut so so. We don't give." A <laughs> oh yeah so um yeah yeah that that's tough that's definitely tough because as a former uh, marching band member um you play i mean you play a pretty pivotal i mean not a pivotal role in the game it's really all how you how you look at it for me i watch college football games and, and the band is always one of the one thing that immediately grabs my attention just because you know i was part of that i really enjoy it it genuinely makes college it it's a pivotal feature of college football that is not found um, in other sports. But you also got to uh, say this before yeah. you keep going. I also got to say this. Uh, you are a part of it. You know this. The Green Brigade, in terms of marching bands in the country, is probably top 10. Like That's another thing. This incident would not happen at UNT because UNT is such a music-focused school. They got one of the best music programs in the country. Um, and in case you don't know how it works – Green Brigade in particular, they make all their music majors. I don't know if they still do this, but when I was part of Green Brigade, they did. Uh, they made all of the music majors t- do, I think, two years of Green Brigade. Uh, and that music department is pretty hefty. Um, so that goes without saying, this would not happen at UNT because the backlash that would be faced, the backlash that that would come from potential cries to eliminate the band it wouldn't happen. There, there wouldn't yeah. be really any, any yeah. calling for that. And that's what I'm saying. Like it, the green brigade is beloved. Like everybody loves the, if you don't like, even if you're like one of those people that's like, all right, get off the damn field. It's time to play some football again. You like watching the green brigade, whether you admit it or not, it's just a good band. And you know, it, it's kind of sad for the members of Sosa. I saw them arguing with people on Twitter. Um, Mike Craven, he works for Dave Campbell's. He was like, one of the people advocating for for Sosa to get defunded because his excuse, well, not excuse, his argument was nobody really cares about marching band. They wouldn't exist without halftime. And while that's... Okay, nobody cares about Sosa. It's not that nobody cares about marching band. It's just nobody cares about that. No, yeah, nobody cares about Sosa. So I don't think it was... Right. I mean, I respect the hell out of Mike, but I don't think it was necessarily right to say that. Like, oh, nobody cares about marching band. They're just the losers that take the field in the at halftime. I don't agree yeah. with that at all. Yeah. Yeah, that's that that's a dumb take because there are so many good marching bands out there that are yeah. popular worldwide. I mean, there's so many Ohio State, Michigan, oh, big Texas, and Florida, Texas, Texas big one. AM is a huge one too. Yeah. Um the list goes on. Marching bands are a pivotal part of college football, and um, you, you can't do away with them. I'm sorry. No, at, a school, just... at a school like San Antonio, you might be able to do away with them. It would suck. Just crank up the live music louder in the dome, right? That's what they do at the stadium anyway, dude. After yeah. touchdowns, they don't even, like, Sosa plays the marching or the marching song. They play the fight song, the fight song. but instead they have, like, this, like, incredibly 
like loud guitar song like brown and now and now and now after they score a touchdown it's, <laughs> it's really annoying i really hate the alamo dome listen i'm i'm not so, yeah, biased for yeah. them but i hate i hate the alamo dome um and you know i feel bad for sosa i don't know why that everybody's first instinct was cut sosa cut sosa so i will be surprised <laughs> i will be surprised <laughs> if they're at denton on saturday um, yeah I would be too. I just want to go back to one more thing. So you're talking about how you don't like the Alamo Dome. No. Uh, and then you also mentioned how the rest of their facilities are like nowhere near on the level of the Alamo Dome, but they're really bad. Well, here's the cold hard truth about that. The rest of their facilities line up with their school. They're a satellite school. Okay. And that is what you get from a satellite school. You get facilities that look like that. The reason why the Alamo Dome doesn't look like the rest of them is because they don't own the Alamo Dome. As, the as uh, Willie Moriarty says, it's a rental. And uh, I, I mean, I don't know if it's actual rental, but they have an agreement where UTSA plays their football games there. But the Alamo Dome is an off-site venue that they use for football. It technically does not belong to the University of Texas at San Antonio. So that is why it looks nothing like the rest of their facilities. If they had an on-campus football stadium, it might look a little modern, but it'll definitely look like a like a G5 um, stadium. Right? Oh, also, also they top they tarp off the upper mezzanine. Yeah. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it's pretty tough filling that thing out, especially if you're you're playing <laughs> in the American. But you know, we're talking we're talking attendance rates, and uh, I mean, we cover UNT. Yeah, no, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to say anything about their attendance. Their attendance is yeah. pretty decent, considering that they are UTSA. Yeah. But I don't know. Just to end our conversation on that, yeah, don't don't go after the marching band. They didn't do anything. The marching band fought right back, though, on Twitter. It's been very toxic at UTSA. So, <sighs> it is yeah. what it is. Yep. Let's move on to a little talk about UNT men's basketball. They played an exhibition on Tuesday against <laughs> against Sam Houston State. Exciting. Uh, CUSA team. <laughs> it was a rematch of NIT. Uh, UNT won. It was, it was a fine game. I mean, it was exhibition. It didn't matter. But team looked yeah. decent. You know, Ross Hodge, chip off the old McCaslin block. Uh, Jason Edwards, I wrote a story about him today. He's a standout Juco guard out of Dodge City Community College. Uh, He led the team with 16 points, looked really good from three-point range as well. You know, maybe he's that next Juco star after Javian and and Tyler from past years. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't watched film on the guy. I haven't really... I didn't catch the first game. You got to start watching that UNT men's festival, man. That's what we're going to be talking about for the next three months. Yeah. Yep. I had no clue. I'm not going to lie. I had no clue that basketball season was that close. It was um, Saturday morning. Saturday morning. I was seeing ads for it and I was like, Oh my God. I was like, it's already basketball season. So I definitely got to start watching them. Got to start looking at them, doing my homework. Uh, But yeah. So I I don't know. I think UNT is definitely going to be looking for that X factor player. Uh, you lose, you lose Tyler Perry. Um, that guy was as clutch as you could be. I would probably argue that he's he, he was without a doubt one of the best athletes UNT has had in a long time. You could argue he's top five. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, we could I, talk I, about Perry yeah. or Hamlet all day, but yeah, 
Yeah, I I think Perry. I mean, if you want to draw the comparison, I think Perry was the more the flashier player, um, and probably most definitely had the clutch gene. I mean, Hamlet also was tremendously clutch. Do you know what Perry was Javian, level. Javian Hamlet studied Chris Smoove videos. Floater alert! <laughs> floater! <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I remember that floater dude. He took floater that so alert. Often. He That's just come so right in the paint. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. Man, no, you're watching that, Hamlet. That was, that was good stuff. Yeah, no, he was a fun he was a fun player to watch. Him and Tyler Perry were both just like extremely fun to watch. And you know, it kind of made up for a for an offense that was kind of boring, <laughs> to be quite yeah, frank with you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but I do think I think we were robbed of seeing Tyler Perry in March Madness. I think oh, that for like, sure. we, we saw Hamlet in March Madness and we were I mean, UNT fans were, um, they were definitely going crazy over, over Hamlet or March Madness. But oh, I think man. Perry would have been a It was a blast. Oh, I mean, yeah. Tyler Perry, even that NIT final when he hit that three over uh, Jelly Walker, um, that was a That's got to be the, the, the most clutch moment in Mean Green athletics history. I think you could probably make the argument for that because I'm – I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I, I haven't followed this team at all for that long. But as far as what I've seen so far in my couple of years following the team, that's probably the most clutch moment. Oh, for sure. That or both Louisiana Tech uh, game winners. But I think in terms yeah. of like situation, yeah, how in terms Jelly of what Walker it meant, yeah, right? and and how Jelly Walker beat them in the CUSA tournament, I think that that was just you know, confirmation for Tyler Perry, because I don't know if you remember this, but he Tyler Perry won CUSA player of the year that year. A lot of people felt like it should have been Jelly Walker. And then when Jelly Walker beat UNT in the conference USA tournament semifinals, then everyone was like, yeah, it was, it should have been Jelly Walker, but then to come back in the NIT and you get last laugh, you make the shot. I mean, pretty much, it's an in-your-face metaphor, literally yeah. in-your-face, that this kid was the best player in Conference USA. He deserved it. Jelly can sit down. Yeah, so, I, I think UNT has, for years, has lacked that that dagger, if that makes sense. They, they've lacked that, that cold-hearted, yeah, I got the last laugh. Um, and to have a player that could actually do that I mean, it was, it was a rare sight to see and something oh, that sure. UNT fans probably cherish for a while, even though it wasn't a March Madness win. It was still a tournament, a postseason tournament win that they can now hang another banner for that. Right. Yeah. So, and they'll yeah. be hanging that on. Uh, man, I cannot I can't believe I'm saying this. They'll be hanging that next week for oh the for the freaking opener. I, I mean, yeah. time flew. But I mean, we're talking about UNT men's basketball, and man, <clears throat> it's time to do some takeout and do Milo's take. And yeah. check that timing. It's time for Milo's take. So, leads me right into my take. Um, we're sticking with men's basketball here, and for once, this is the first time on my take that I'm actually going to give a mean green take. I know we were talking about Tyler Perry. Um, we're talking about UNT men's basketball, how they've had success in recent years. I think the loss of Coach McCaslin, the loss of Tyler Perry, and a couple other guys, I think they take a step backwards this year. 
I think they're still going to be competitive. They're still going to be good. I don't know if this team is good enough to qualify for March Madness or to win the American this year. I, I really don't. Well, I hmm, listen, I think that maybe saying this team isn't good enough to make March Madness, I think that's fair. But I don't think they've really taken a huge step back from, from the McCaslin days. I mean, you got to think about this, man. Ross Hodge was McCaslin's main man. He was his assistant for all six years of his tenure at UNT. I mean, I'm not saying they're the same coach. They're for sure not. But Ross Hodge, he's a dog, dude. He's a dog just like McCaslin was. And, I mean, this was a home run hire for Jared Mosley, in my opinion. Yeah, I I think maybe, I don't know, maybe it's just because I haven't seen it yet. Maybe I haven't seen enough of him. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I feel like, Losing McCaslin, I, I understand where you're coming from. He's essentially his protege. Um, I'll see it when I believe it. But right now, I think this team, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a doubter here, and I think this team takes a slight step backwards. How much of a step? Year. How much of a step? I think they're still top They're still top five in the American. I think they're still a decent program, but I don't think they're a team that's going to you know, make it far in the NIT again or in – well, or they're probably not going to make the NIT. Yeah. You saw the new NIT rules. The NIT has basically said, if you are in a G5, then f*** you. We don't want you in our tournament anymore. That's Yeah, much clarify that for me, because I, I know you and John have said that the new format is kind of rigged, but um, explain it to me, because I have not had the time to look at it. So I don't want to misquote it. So we're just going to find exactly what... Well, we did. So there are no automatic bids for regular season champions and the power really? conferences get first 12 spots pretty much. How many spots are there? The, the normal amount, 32. Oh. But the 12 automatic bids are, are handed out to power conference schools now. And then, yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so that's, pretty, that's pretty tough. So pretty much the field is going to be mostly p5 again and you know i mean not p5 but i i mean major i keep yeah. forgetting major, mid major major <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah how can you be mid and major are you kidding me? you know um, i like the terminology a lot more than a lot more than p5 and g5 i feel like it's so uh it's so discriminatory you know, okay so like you're a group of five we're a power five school you know <laughs> I'm like major. <laughs> I'm like okay. Major I'm sorry. I would not want to be called a mid-major. <laughs> it's better than just being called a group of five. Like, <laughs> Do you know what's crazy about this article, though, that I'm reading? At no point do they name the reigning NIT champion in the entire story. Wow, really? At no point in the story did they say, and North Texas won the NIT last season. <laughs> I mean, did they even mention them at all? Not once. They did not mention UNT once. Yeah, that's funny. They won the damn tournament. I mean, I'm not trying to be green pilled here, but yeah, um, that's just not know, good journalism. I, I wonder if this move to incorporate more um, P5 schools. Oh, that's into what it is. Tournament is this move like about media and and uh, 
it's a money move. Yes, it's a money move. Most people do not watch the NIT in general because it's not March Madness. But now if you have a tournament where half of them are, are G5 schools, um, you know, that definitely tanks your ratings a lot, right? So I wonder yeah. if, if they're doing this for a money move to kind of keep the tournament afloat. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. And, you know, it, it's BS in my opinion. I just don't think that it's good. I, I think yeah, that you're ostracizing it really good mid-major teams including Absolutely. unt and Absolutely. i don't know but i think we're very yeah. yeah yeah one more thing I, I think college basketball is it's totally different from football in a sense where you see it endless times g5 schools mid-major schools they compete against p5 schools yeah it's they much compete, different they put up a fight it's totally yeah. different totally so, different like yeah. atmosphere because in football you know it's it's a lot different you can overpower and basketball you know, it's a sport that, you know, if, if one guy has an off night, then it doesn't really matter because he has four guys to pick him up, um, yeah. you know, and it, it's just, I don't know. It, I don't, I don't like that move. I mean, on Twitter, people can tell I'm pretty P5 pilled yeah. to be honest, but yeah, I, I don't I mean, I am too, move. but yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, we're, I mean, we're, we're both not like Mr. Mid-Major G5, but I mean, that's just yeah. a mid move, in my opinion. Not cool. But yeah. just going, finishing your, your take uh, before we talk about this. I don't know. I mean, I don't think that UNT is like going to super challenge the FAUs or Memphis of this world. Yeah, you know. I don't think so either. But I don't know. I, I think in terms of the level of dominance, I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm not sure how much or how far they take a step back. I just have a feeling that they won't be as good at least not this year yeah i mean i could yeah. see them making the semifinal of the american as a peak yeah. and then maybe a low of going out in the quarterfinals so definitely a respectable season i think but i don't think they're gonna make like huge waves but i don't think it's like been a huge significant step back in any yeah, i don't uh, think they're gonna be under fashion. 500 but i i think yeah. like you said um they'll probably finish somewhere in the middle of the american con or in the middle middle of the uh the postseason tournament for the american and, and then just kind of fall off there so yeah i mean we'll just we'll see we'll see we got a full season ahead of us for sure and we'll be talking about it here on another mean green podcast so stay tuned for that but right now i want to get into cornball of the week and ladies and gentlemen it's not one that i take pride in it is a very bad week for me but I am a man of my word. The cornball of the week for me this week, Milo, is myself. I am the cornball of the week. So last week, Milo and I made a bet that if this World, World Series had worse TV ratings than the previous World Series, then I would have to be my own cornball of the week. And ladies and gentlemen, the numbers came out. And I am this year's cornball or this week's cornball of the week. But I want to add a caveat to this. You have to keep in mind that as of right now at 6.15 p.m. on November 1st, my team, the Texas Rangers, could potentially win the World Series tonight. So at the end of the day, I may be a cornball, but I'm still that's winning. Fair. I'm yeah, still yeah, winning. Yeah, yeah that's, I, I think that's fair. Yeah. Uh, you are still winning, but I was right, dude. Come on. 
I mean, we we made a bit. Yeah, you were right. We but I, I don't care. Like, that's the thing. All of course these, you don't of... care. You're not going to care. No, Your team's I don't... gonna win the ship. Ah, We're not gonna say that yet. Oh, uh, next n- next week we'll talk about it. But I mean, we still got one more game to win tonight. Jesus Christo, man, that <sighs> these Rangers give me heart palpitations. But man. Tears will be shed tonight if they win the World Series. The game first pitch is in about 45 minutes. I'm driving to my parents' house in Keller for that one. Pretty close after the podcast. But yes, I am the cornball of the week. The TV ratings weren't as high. I made a bet, and I am following through. Cornball of the week is myself. And from what I understand, Milo, your cornball of the week was also me. So... I think if we want to draw any conclusions from this week is that I'm a cornball. I read Smith of Mean Green 24-7, am a cornball, and proud of my cornballiness. But that will end our show. What are you doing this weekend, my friend? You know, I usually don't have much going on on the weekends, but this time I think I will. Um I'm gonna go check out the Santa Monica Pier. Never Whoa. been there before. Never been there before. It's pretty close. I think it's about 45 minutes away from where we live. Um, so I think we might be taking a trip, taking a trip down there. That's and, fancy, uh, man. You know, go go checking it out for the first time. I've always fancy. wanted to see it. Always remember going to it in GTA. So <laughs> I finally get finally get to see the real deal. I've driven lots of cars off that joint. Um that's <laughs> That's fun, man. Yeah. That sounds like good. You and uh you and your girlfriend will probably have a good time with that. Um Yeah, hopefully. I am other than reporting UTSA versus UNT at DAQ Stadium. I will be hopefully still celebrating a World Series victory for the Texas Rangers. We'll see. Um and then other than that, pretty chill weekend for me. Uh lots of writing and then man. Two beats at once starting uh, next week. So that'll be fun. And then to SMU and Tulsa and back-to-back weeks. So it's going to be a busy few weeks for me. I'll have lots to talk about. The read travel logs we could do for another Mean Green podcast. That'll be fun. (laughs) All right. But thank you, everyone, for listening. We always appreciate your ears. Uh, There's some edits in this one. Um, It was a good episode, though. Really proud of it. Always good to talk to Milo on these Wednesdays. But that'll be it from us. If you are not already a Mean Green 24-7 VIP, then what are you doing? Wake up. God. Become a VIP today. uh, And you will not miss great exclusive content written by yours truly. For basketball season coming up next week for away games, I do buy the numbers, which is an in-depth look at UNT's games by facts and figures. It's content you will not want to miss, and you won't if you become a 24-7 VIP. You can listen to another Mean Green podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Music. We will always appreciate the listens that you give us, and man... UTSA week. We've been waiting for it. It's a big one for UNT this week. They're going to have to win it in order to make a bowl in mine and Milo's humble opinions because next week we're going to be talking about how SMU is going to beat UNT. A little bit of a spoiler there. But wherever (laughs) you are in the world, 
please be safe. And man, I got to get to Keller to watch these Rangers potentially win a World Series. Hopefully you'll have an elated Reed Smith on the next episode. Goodbye.